The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Too often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra. Welcome, everyone, to Generation Regeneration Holistic Radio. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host. Thank you for joining us, whether it's live or the podcast on demand. We love you, our listeners, and want to support you and everyone who embrace the notion that although you may be members by birth of the baby boom generation or Gen X or Gen Y, that you can choose to be members of Generation Regeneration or Gen R by the daily choices you make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. And one of the things that many of us in Gen R strive to do is to feel more connected to everything around us, other people, our environment, and very importantly, our food. It's my opinion that this connection and reverence is something which has been lost, much to the peril of the planet and the other living, sentient beings who share this planet with us. When we pick up fruits and vegetables at the grocery store, we may not think about the land that produced this food and whether or not it is being tended to for future generations, or if it's being poisoned with a chemically intensive farming approach, which is not sustainable but profitable in the short term. This may be especially true when we pick up neatly packaged animal proteins. We may not think about the quality of the food, the quality of the life, and the death of the animal that gave its life for our nourishment, but the fact is that this animal did perish for that filet or chop or wing. But this connection and reverence for our food can be regained by all of us becoming more conscious of our food choices. And I really enjoy featuring those who are working to make us more aware of better choices and the farmers who see themselves as stewards of the land and animals for future generations. And today we have such a farmer joining us. David Pittman is a lifelong farmer representing his family's 60-year-old poultry operation, Pittman Family Farms. As a third-generation farmer, David graduated from Cal Poly University with a BS degree in agricultural business and has over 20 years of experience with a notable concentration in animal well-being and environmental conservation. With high quality and nutrition being a focus of the family operation, David has implemented certified organic, global animal partnership, and non-GMO project verified programs, which are fantastic. Pittman Family Farms proudly raises Mary's free-range poultry, which has been recognized in Cook's Illustrated Magazine. And you can learn more at PittmanFamilyFarms.com. Welcome to the show, David. It's a great pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Good afternoon. Now, one question that I have, and I'm sure many others do also, is what is life really like as a farmer? Well... There's a lot of pros and cons. I said, uh, overall, it's, it's a good balance. It gives me a chance to, to be with my family, to work with, uh, with my mother, my father, my brother. It gives me a chance to be outdoors. Um, and, and it's also part of my heritage. Um, I'm a third-generation family uh, poultry farmer, but actually uh, here in the area of California where we're at, I'm a fifth-generation farmer. My, my great-great-grandfather and, grand, and great-grandfather were both uh, dryland wheat farmers in this area. Wow. Wow, yeah, that is quite a heritage. So from what I understand, Pittman Family Farm started as more of a conventional operation, and you've recently changed the focus to the organic and the non-GMO. So what was it like as a conventional operation? What were the pros and cons of that? Well, you know, we kind of circled around when my grandfather first started. Everything, and he started in 54. I mean, there really wasn't the antibiotics back then. Everything pretty much almost was almost organic at that point. There wasn't yeah. pesticides or herbicides. Then, as my as my father came back into the farm and kept it going, of course, at that point, you know, in the 70s and 80s, 
everything was about low cost. Everything was about maximizing production, and you either had to lower your costs or get out. So my father's done a great job during that time period of surviving in the in the conventional world where we used you know a lot of antibiotics, a lot of pesticides, a lot of herbicides, but that was necessary to keep your cost of production the lowest possible. Okay. And so recently, though, you've circled back around, like you said, to how your great-grandfather did business. So what were the reasons that you chose to convert to non-GMO and organic? What drove that? You know, what really drives that is um, feedback from customers and my mother. Okay. Mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, So my... uh, my mom is married. She's involved directly with um, interaction with the customers via demos, via emails, via if you call our, our one her number, it goes right to her right to her cell phone. And so she is has got a pulse for um, our customers. And as we've been getting steady feedback over the years, about um, you know, ten years ago, we were getting requests for organic. And uh, after that time built, we we after a couple years, my mom pushing and pushing, we finally agreed. You know, my dad and I to to do it, and we. We did it wholeheartedly, and now it's grown tremendously. I mean, we can't imagine not doing organic. It's, you know, it's a third of what we do. Yes. You know, the same thing happened with non-GMO. I'll never forget the first time my mom asked me about, uh, you know, do we feed GMO corn to our chickens? And I had to tell her, yes, we do. And this is like, you know, 10 years ago. And she's like, she was so furious with me. Um, cool. And, but, of course, as you start to explain to her, you know, how things have happened the last 20 years and how we got to this spot and, and that you know, ninety at that point, like ninety six percent of the U.S. corn crop was non was GMOs. How do you right. how do we source all this non GMO grain to feed our birds? And so she understood it, but of course, she, you know, we all knew the direction we needed to go. But it just takes time. And so my mom and, and the customers are the driving force to help us make these decisions and make these changes. But of course, then it takes a lot of time to implement this stuff and plan for it. It doesn't happen overnight. That's right. And I really like how you mentioned that it was your customers that in large part drove this, which one thing that we try to emphasize on this show is the power that we all have as consumers to push the marketplace, especially to non-GMO, organic, less chemically intensive, more humane, all of those things, because the pressure is not going to come from top down. It's not as though our government or our government agencies are going to make these changes. It's those of us with our food dollars every day making choices that are more sustainable that are going to drive these changes. So I think it's very interesting that you said that. That's and exactly also, right. I mean, if, if we were to have attempted to do this 20 years ago, the consumer support was not there. The customer education yeah. was not there to pay for it, to, pay it, to fairly compensate us to make these choices. That's right. Um, but now they are, and they're voting with their dollars, and we can get paid, paid a fair way to raise our birds, and it's, it's a great change that's happening in the environment because of this. Yes, that's right. And what I really appreciate is that small farmers and operations like you are listening to the consumers and making those changes and filling the gap in the marketplace because it seems like a lot of the more entrenched farming operations are trying to fight it. And... I think they're ultimately going to fight a losing battle here, <laughs> but they're they're kind of dug in. Um, but fortunately, farms like you are listening to the customers and giving us what we want. So, yeah. I think what also helped help with that is that we are a smaller operation. Yeah, and, you know, my mom's getting the feedback from the customers, and so are we. We can direct. There's no board of directors. There's no executive committee. We we can we as a family can say what's the ethical thing to do, what do we want to do for the future. And we can make those changes very quickly. And so yes. that, I think, has helped us adapt a lot faster and react faster. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's why it's great supporting operations like yours, because you can be more nimble and make decisions and give customers what they want. So you had mentioned that the conversion uh, was not quick and probably not easy. So what was required to go to organic and non-GMO? What did you have to do and how long did it take? Yeah, so for organic, um, we had to, our farms that grow the chickens had to have three years without pesticides and herbicides, so we had to plan for this. And so, you know, that first time took us three years to plan for it. Mm. Since that point, though, we've pretty much have prepared all of our farms now to be organic, even if we don't feed them organic birds, we're still using those standards so that as organic keeps growing, we're able to, to grow more and more organic. 
and now that's kind of become part of our norm. Um, you know, for our organic corn farmers and soy farmers, they have to do the same thing. They have to grow that organic corn, grow that soy for three years organically before they can actually get paid for it as organic. Yes. Uh, oh. Besides pesticides, that's, that's a big hurdle to take. Yes, it is. And are you fi- finding that the supply of non-GMO feed is becoming more plentiful as well? Yeah, so for, for, for non-GMO, it's, it's a very... So if you go back, I don't know, 20, 25 years, the percentage of GMO seed was, you know, under 10%, under 5%. It was nothing. Yeah. And so that farmer made that choice a long time ago to go to this GMO seed and to, to go Roundup Ready. And now they've gotten so frustrated with the cost of the GMO seed, and and now Roundup's not working like it used to on weeds. And so it's not – they actually are much more open to switching to back to, you know, non-GMO seed. And so yeah. – Five years ago, it was a tough conversation with farmers. Uh, it's eased up every single year. Um, this last year, it's actually been, it's been we've, got, we've got more than enough uh, because they're yielding just as well uh, with non-GMO varieties of corn and soy as they did with the GMO Roundup Ready. And so it's just more a matter of, of uh, you know, paying them a little bit of a premium to make it fair to be special and for a little bit of difference to you know, keep it separate and segregated. But... Um, it, that's been a very easy switch. And mm. We do have to plan ahead, though. So, like, uh, we've already, yes. before the farmer buys his seed, which is right now here in the spring, we have to commit to that farmer to everything that we're going to take for that crop. And that takes us all the way through the summer of 2017. So we've already purchased, we've already committed all of our non-GMO corn and soy for the next year. Interesting. Okay. So I am really liking some of the points that you're making here. And I and I love that it's coming from a boots on the ground farmer that the GMO feed is yielding no better than non-GMO feed because that flies in the face of all of the propaganda uh, that you hear about GMOs being needed for yields and to feed the world. And I think like you said, just the costs and the patent law that goes along with GMO seed, which I've done an, an entire show on actually in January of 2015, uh, and also the fact that the herbicides like Roundup are becoming less effective because what's happening is Mother Nature is winning as she always does by coming up with even hardier weeds that the Roundup herbicide is not effective against. So I think that was a a really interesting point that you made. So, all right. So thank you for all of this, David. Uh, Really great information. Let's get ready for our break now. Thanks to everyone for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I am talking to farmer David Pittman representative of his family's Pittman Family Farms, producers of great products like Mary's Free Range Chickens. And he just talked to us quite a bit about what it's like to be a non-GMO organic farmer. And we're going to get into even more of their specialty products on the other side of this break. So stay close and we'll see you soon. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Malhotra and creator of masterpieces Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. 
You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest is David Pittman, third-generation farmer and representative of Pittman Family Farms, producers of Mary's Free-Range Chickens, in addition to many other things. Now, David, we mentioned in the last segment that you've put an emphasis on global animal partnership rated chickens. So right now you provide Global Animal Partnership four and five step rated chickens, which is a huge accomplishment. Can you tell us what these ratings mean and what it took to achieve the four and five step ratings? Yes, I will. So it's, um, you know, we, we wanted to partner with a good third party auditor to audit our farms and, and check us on a, on a regular basis, annual basis to rate us and to make sure that we're, that we're doing what we say we're doing. And in the past 10 years ago, you might have just sent somebody an affidavit basically saying what you're doing. We wanted a third party to audit us and score us and rank us. Uh, we, the Global Animal Partnership is who we decided to go with. They have a five-point system, a one, be, a one through five, um, and there's even a five-plus. But the, uh, the, even to be a one is, is a huge accomplishment from, you know, no antibiotics, you know, vegetarian fed, um, to you know more space requirements, um, so it's, it, it has a hundred and something requirements just to be level one. Oh. However, though, to be a level three, so you know, level three is kind of where we start. That's our base, um, which is all those requirements that are in level one and level two. In addition to that, we have we give uh, more square footage. We give one square foot per bird inside, another square foot per bird outside, um, and we're also giving access to the outside for the birds for free range with food and water outside. So that is a huge step and difference, and that was for us for the step three. Then, of course, we uh, want to have a step four and a step five. And so in the past, when we did, you know, slower-growing birds or pasture-raised birds, it was very difficult to communicate that to the customer, saying, okay, why, should, why does this chicken cost so much more than this one? And so the Global Animal Partnership step rating, giving that three, four, and five, calls it out for the customer in a very quick um, summary, well, all the extra effort we went into. So our step five bird is a pasture bird. It is a Rhode Island red bird, uh, 500 birds per group out on a pasture with a mobile trailer where they go across the pasture in a mobile trailer. We move every couple of days. So that is a huge amount of cost, huge amount. A much slower growing bird takes about twice as long to grow. Mm. So we need to communicate that to the customer in this, and the Global Partnership is a great way of doing that. That's right. Yes. And in places like Whole Foods, they spell it out too, uh, what each of the ratings mean. So when you're at the meat counter, you can see as well what everything means. And for me, this is super important because the quality of the life of the food that you eat is very important for the amount of nutrition I think that you get from that. Um, one example that I like to explain is like if you take a factory farm egg and you take an egg from say a pasture raised chicken and you crack it open and you look at the yolk, uh, it's a completely different color. If the animal was in a very stressful factory farm situation, the yolk will be very pale. 
Whereas if it's from a pasture-raised chicken, the yolk will be bright yellow orange, indicating all the nutrients that are in there. So this isn't just a, a humane thing to do for the animals. Uh, it influences the quality of the nutrition that you will get from that animal. Do, do you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. How the animals treat on the farm affects um, how it tastes. It also affects um, the animals, of course, it, its well-being during its life, which, is, of course, ultimately it sacrifices life for us to sustain our life. Yes, that's right. And I also understand that your four-step rated chickens are an heirloom variety. Can you explain what that means, what an heirloom variety is, and why that's desirable? Yes. Yeah, so we have, you know, we have our step five bird that is really slow growing, really on red, but it costs a lot to do it that way. We have our step three bird, which is our regular Cornish cross bird. But, you know, there's a lot of, we wanted to kind of combine the best of both worlds. We wanted to make a more economical Step 5 heirloom or, you know, Rhode Island Red Bird that everyone can afford, but yet have a little more of the characteristics of the Cornish Cross. And so this heirloom variety is a, is a Rhode Island Red, a heavier Rhode Island Red Bird that is for meat. For meat. And this bird takes an extra 30% longer to grow. And with that, though, um, it gives it a much truer flavor. Uh, there's a little less breast meat, a little more dark meat, uh, but there's a lot less fat. Um, and the flavor is just so much more enhanced, that bird. Um, it by growing slower, it gives its immune system time to get stronger, so our, our disease rates and mortality rates are, are cut in half. Yeah. Um, the bird stands up stronger. It's got strong, stronger legs because it's not folded as much meat. Yeah. So it's a healthier, more humane bird um, that also gives a great flavor. Okay. And in addition to chickens, which many of your customers may be familiar with, you were also first to market with non-GMO turkeys and organic ducks. So can you tell us about these animals as well? Do you find that raising them this way makes them healthier? We do, yes. So we were, um, we were first on non-GMO chickens and non-GMO turkeys for, uh, for production, for growing the birds for meat. And uh, we found when we, when we fed that, though, we had less issues of enteritis, which enteritis is an intestinal issue the birds have, and basically we get diarrhea. Mm. On the organic and on the non-GMO, we have less issues with this. Yeah. And I, I tie it back to, of course, to the GMOs. I think yeah. there's stuff in the GMOs that is more difficult for those birds to digest. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's one of the concerns with GMOs is that by producing these things as nature would have not intended, that there are different proteins being developed that nobody's body, ours or animals or intestinal tracts have ever seen before, don't quite know what to do with it. And then also just by the mere fact that these things are Roundup ready, it means that much more of that herbicide is put on to those crops because they're resistant to it. And so you're getting that as well. And I've had some MDs on the show that have talked about Roundup, which is also known as glyphosate, uh, which it can be very damaging to the gut. And, and Any gut that it's exposed to, whether it's ours or chickens or turkeys. So uh, for sure, agree with you. Lots of concerns with GMOs. Okay, so another question I have for you is, that many people tend to turn to vegetarianism or become vegans because they are horrified at how factory farm animals live and also how they die. So would you say that your animals lead a, a good life in the pasture? Uh, very much. Of course our pasture birds do, but of course at different levels. Um, yeah. We try to do everything we can to have the most humane lifestyle for the birds. Yeah. Um, and... On the farm level, of course, we're doing that with extra space and ventilation and outside access for the birds on our pasture birds where they're living outside. Um, but the plant is also another opportunity. And um, one thing that we did uh, in 2000 and 2012, 2013, we, uh, we actually worked with PETA, HSUS, and Temple Grandin, and we actually put in a, a controlled atmosphere uh, stunner for the birds. Mm. And we put the birds to sleep with CO2 over a slow five-minute process. Um, ultimately, you know, still very humbling. I mean, the animal still sacrificing his life. 
However, we're doing it in the most humane way we possibly know how to do, and that is where he goes to sleep and not realizing what's happening. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's a tremendous improvement. And also, I understand that you have a veterinarian on your farm, which also assists in the quality of life of your birds. So how much does the vet actually participate in the, the life of the flock? Our vet is very, very helpful. He has over 35 years of experience growing turkeys and chickens. So he comes out and basically helps train us, helps uh, us uh, follow, make sure we're following our protocols, um, and also just the science behind things. You know, we're, we're still farmers. We're not scientists. And so as, as we have issues or problems, he really dives into it, you know, takes stuff to the lab, helps us figure out our issues to help improve and move forward. And it, it makes a huge difference for us to improve and make improvements to learn from our mistakes. Okay. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for all this information about your global animal partnership, rated chickens, your non-GMO turkeys and ducks, and how you work very hard to raise them humanely and then also harvest them humanely. I think that's a huge deal. So thank you for all that information, David. And on that note, let's get ready for our next break. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm talking to David Pittman, third-generation farmer and representative of Pittman Family Farms, producers of Mary's Free Range Chickens, in addition to all the other things that we mentioned. And in the next segment, we're going to talk more about the transparency that's very important to the operation at Pittman Family Farms. Thanks so much, everyone. Stay tuned, and we'll be back soon. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So, host Sandra Maholtra and creator of masterpieces Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest today is David Pittman, third-generation farmer and representative of Pittman Family Farms, producers of Mary's free-range chickens and other wonderful things, turkeys, ducks, and so forth. Now, David, one other thing that's special about Pittman Family Farms is your vertical integration. Can you explain what that is and why it's helpful for your business? Yeah, so vertical integration means that we do, you know, 
everything we can possibly from the breeders to the hatchery to the feed mill to the processing plant and to and delivering the birds to our customers. And so normally the term vertical integration can be a negative term that you've taken all the middlemen out. But in this situation, um, it, we weren't vertical integrated, you know, 20 years ago, but we had to, we had to, to make the change we made. You know, before working with an outside feed mill, and you talked about bringing in organic or bringing out non-GMO, they're not going to do that. They're not going to want to separate those things in their operation. Uh, and so we, we had to do that in order to make these changes. Um, same thing with breed. Uh, we, you know, we used to, we have our own breeders now. We have our own breeder farms, and we had to do that doing these special heirloom breeds, these Rhode Island breeds that are slow-growing. You can't go buy those from somebody else. You need to do it yourself. And so um, this gives us the flexibility to make changes quickly. Mm, okay. And also I'd like to get into the topic of transparency once again, because you were talking about that in uh, the second segment just about how you wanted to work with a third-party global animal partnership to really lay out and be accountable for a lot of the things that require that are required for the four- and five-step ratings. Overall, it seems like transparency is one of the core values of your family farm. And this is different than a lot of the larger factory farming operations that do not want anybody to know what's going on. Uh, and even have so-called ag-gag laws passed, which make it a, uh, a criminal offense to record what's going on behind the closed doors, because a lot of it is pretty horrifying. So why is it that you value, value transparency so much, and how do you provide it, in addition to things like the Global Animal Partnership ratings? You know, it's very important for everyone to know where their food comes from. Yeah. And as we're working with retailers, restaurants, uh, distributors, we want them to understand what we're doing. And no matter how much we put in a brochure or, or on the website, the best thing to do is to, you know, to see it yourself. And so we have done, my wife makes a joke that it seems like there's always, always a tour every week. But <laughs> you know, we tour anywhere from one person up to busloads of 45 people in the here in two weeks, we're going to have a busload of 40 people coming from the Bay Area of chefs and, uh, and markets that support us and selling our chickens. And we want to take them to the hatchery, take them to the feed mill, take them to the farm, take them to the plant. We want to have an open-door policy and show them everything. Um, you know, a lot of times some of it is shocking to them and a little bit kind of caught off guard as far as realizing how much work and, and how much does go in to make a piece of illness in this breast. But, uh, you know, the majority of people just fully appreciate, you know, how much work goes into it, realizing um, all the extra efforts that we go in, that we do, to, to make it, to make ourselves different and separate from our competition. And uh, they're always surprised. I mean, I have, I have so many people say, well, we were dealing, we were buying from this chicken company for the last 20 years, and we asked for tours, and they said no, and when they gave it, when they gave us a tour, maybe it was only this small little piece, and you guys just open the door and show us everything. And, and we want to do that. We feel it's the best way to improve. Yeah. Oh, totally agree. And I would think that a lot of chefs would really value that um, because they want the best product, the best tasting product, and the highest quality product in many cases for their customers. And so I would, I would think that uh, they would really appreciate that. 100%. And even if it's an animal rights organization, if they yes. have concerns about things that we're doing, we, we'd right, you know. I'd like to invite them to reach out to me and we'll give a tour. There's always opportunities for us to improve and things we can do better. And uh, yeah. better to have a dialogue and open doors and, and, and go see it. Oh, that's fabulous. That's really fabulous. And completely opposite to, like I said, a lot of the factory farming operations which want to keep people out. Uh, do not want any video recorded of what's going on behind the closed doors uh, because a lot of it, quite frankly, is very shocking. 
Okay. Speaking of shocking, many, many things that are happening uh, with regards to getting chicken internationally from places like China, that's getting concerning because of just the poor food safety and cleanliness records that they have there. So can you contrast how does Pittman Family Farms really differentiate themselves in terms of cleanliness and safety standards? Well, this is actually kind of an opportunity that we've been working on. Um, you know, we, we started our plant uh, 12, let me say 13 years ago, and, and we're in the middle of remodeling our plant. We're about halfway through it. So um, we're in the middle of trying to improve our cleanliness and improve our safety standards on the plant right now. So we're halfway through that. We, we finished our, mm-hmm. new, um, our new cut-up room where we, where we debone the chickens, and that is just a beautiful state-of-the-art so much cleaner room. We're having such better test results on salmonella. It's made a huge impact. But now we've got to do the, the front side of our plant, which we're in the middle of a remodel on that right now. But those things are huge when you make an investment uh, in your processing facility to make those improvements. On the farm, you can also make improvements um, you know, by giving more space, um, you know, providing more propane heating to keep the birds in a, in a less stressful environment, and change out the bedding more often like we do so that they're on fresh bedding, clean bedding to keep the, the bacteria low down. So those are the things that we're doing to improve and make a difference. Ah, that's wonderful. And I understand that you also tour farming operations in Europe and source some of your equipment from there. Why is that? What's special or differentiating about the equipment that you can get in Europe that you can't get here? Well, I don't. it probably comes back more so to the consumer in Europe. Mm. Um, the consumer in Europe is is usually about five or ten years ahead of us when it comes to animal welfare, GMOs. And of course, the European Union you know bans GMOs pretty much. Yeah. And so that is you know that tells you where they're at. Also, when it comes to animal welfare, you know the sedation center we put in that's actually in about fifty percent of the plants over there. Oh. Some retailers are even starting to require it. So what we've done is. Uh, my father and I and, and Bob, our, our GM, is, we've traveled to Europe, I think it's been five times now in the last eight years. Wow. And it sounds all exciting, but, I, man, we just, we just go from chicken farm to chicken farm to plant to hatcheries to just to learn um, of what they're doing, learn of the process technologies they're using. And that is actually, then we come and bring that technology back to what we're doing to make improvements. Uh, whether uh-huh. it's our air chill system or our, our gas thunder um, or a lot of the processing equipment we buy. They're okay. Just, they're ahead of us, and so we're trying to – it's a good place to kind of go look in the future a little bit. Ah, I see. So you can go there and see what's happening and be prepared for where consumer demand may take you here in the state. So you're basically able to stay ahead of the curve that way. That's exactly right. Ah, Okay. And speaking of staying ahead of the curve, you're also putting an effort into green packaging, which is a wonderful thing. Can you get into some details there about what you're doing and where you want to go with that? Yeah, my mom. My mom's had a lot of you know feedback. This goes you know five or eight years ago about we used to use styrofoam trays, and uh, you know as you guys know, it takes hundreds of years for those to break down in the uh, in landfills. So then we actually went over to, we switched to a plant-based tray, we switched to a corn-based tray. But of course, then that has GMOs in it. <laughs> yeah. And so, even though it's biodegradable, <laughs> it's made, it was made with GMO corn. So we did that for a couple of years before we found a better options. And so the two options that we're doing right now for our customers is we have a vacuum pack, which there's no tray, it's just a, the plastic we used to use to wrap a tray, use a little bit thicker pa- uh, plastic, we're able to eliminate the styrofoam tray, so we're doing a vacuum package, uh, which is a great thing. It improves shelf life by you know, removing all the oxygen from the package, and we're saving, it, we're saving the tray completely. So in my opinion, that's our best uh, environmental choice is to just use that small amount of plastic. Mm, okay. All right. Well, now the big question is, where can people find all of your wonderful products? Because we've just spent quite a while here talking about how conscientious you are about raising your animals, giving them a good quality of life, which makes them more nutritious, taste better. Uh, Where are Mary's free-range poultry available at? 
Uh, we're located. We're available mostly on the West Coast, um, and we're available at Whole Foods and lots of small independent markets. Um, you can our website maryschickens.com. You can you can put in your zip code, and it can bring up uh, the locations that are nearest by you. Ah, okay. And are you looking to continuously expand your operations? We we are recently yes with what uh, with what we can handle with our family and the growth and our, our the great families that work with us to, to make all this happen. So we're trying to strategically pick the right partners to grow with. Okay, all right. And so by growing, are you continuing to grow your own farm, or like you said, are you putting strategic relationships in with other farmers as well? Well, about a third of our of our farms are are, are growers that grow with us. Ah. So, Anytime there's opportunities to, to have to add new families to grow with us, we love to do that. Um, and of course, we're also building some new farms ourselves, so it's a combination of both. Okay, all right. Well, it sounds like a great opportunity for somebody who wants to, who's in the business, who wants to get in on this trend. So, okay, thank you for all this great information in this segment as well. It's time to wrap it up and go to our final break. So thank you, David, and thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm talking to David Pittman, third-generation farmer and representative of Pittman Family Farms. And on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about the work that Pittman Family Farms does with schools and hospitals as well. It's all wonderful stuff. So see you soon on the flip side. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Malhotra and creator of masterpieces Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest has been David Pittman, third-generation farmer and representative of Pittman Family Farms, producers of Mary's free-range chickens, in addition to other things like turkeys and ducks. Lots of wonderful stuff. Now, David, you talk to us a lot about how conscientious your operation is, and you take it one step further by also reaching out to schools and hospitals. Can you tell us about the programs you have in place with them, and what are your goals moving forward? Yeah, so, you know, we're making all these changes and doing everything to improve how we eat. But, of course, when you realize the sheer volume of the number of meals that are served every day in the school districts and how important it is for those, the next generation, to start making good, healthy choices and to be provided with, uh, you know, a clean, clean poultry. You know, 
our kids, you know, clean, antibiotic-free, raised chickens, and we want to cook it here for our school, for our students. And so, but of course, we need to make it affordable for them. So we've uh, we've done a lot of things with different cuts, like drumsticks, and wings, and dark meat, to make available for the school districts. Um, San Diego Unified, Monterey. Oakland Unified, we've all worked out to do uh, the California Thursday programs. Um, in addition with the UC School District, we did a program with them also to have a, a one price for all the districts, the UCs and schools, to buy, us, to buy from us. And uh, with that, they were able to do a focus. Um, they focused on California Thursdays, educating to make sure that everything they could on that meal came from California on a Thursday. Nice. Um, and they cooked the drumsticks in the school districts. I went down to a, um, what, a press uh, press release on this down in San Diego a year or so ago, and, and uh, it was it was a great lunch. I mean, they had beautiful salad bar, all California grown. They served our drumsticks. Uh, it was a great. It, I would I would have paid for that meal. <laughs> uh, and and they did a good job of educating the students to help to make healthy choices. Wonderful. Yeah, that's so important, uh, educating children and making them more aware of the connection to the food they eat, to how they feel and their health and the implications that their choices have, the larger implications that their choices have. So that's really wonderful to hear that a lot of schools are trying to go back to improving the quality of the food that they serve. Um, How about hospitals? Do you work with hospitals also? We do. The ho- we work with hospitals right now that is just starting to gain some momentum. Obviously, if someone's sick in the hospital, it's, it's even more important what they're eating. Also. Yes. So um, it just comes down to a lot of times to education, to where the, the customers of the hospital, the customers of the schools are, are asking for and demanding for you know, poultry raised without antibiotics. Um, yes. And local poultry. And so yes. as, as, that, as that demand and pressure keeps growing, um, this will change. Yes, that's right. As that demand and pressure keeps growing, that's right. So it's really up to us to keep the pressure on to drive our schools and hospitals to make these better decisions, especially hospitals. Uh, I know I've had some family members spend some time in hospitals, and uh, I've seen the quality of the food improve, but still a little shocked at uh, how bad it is. And like you said, when you're in a hospital and you're healing from a health issue, that good nutrition is critical. And in fact, I featured a guest on the show last year, Dr. Robert Cram, who works in the Long Island Health System in New York, who actually spearheaded a rooftop garden on this hospital where they grow organic greens. How awesome is that? (laughs) That's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, so these type of trends are really positive to see. So during the break, you were also talking about the jobs that have been created by the expansion of local farming operations like yours. Can you comment on that? Yes. You know, the poultry farmers in California shrunk in the 80s and 90s uh, because it wasn't the most economical place to grow poultry. And so jobs were lost, farms were shut down, and so you saw this you know, mass exodus in California when it came to poultry. Uh, give an example, I think uh, the peak was like 1990 for turkeys in California. We raised like $34 million, and last year we raised $16 million, so almost you know, half is gone. Mm. However, there's been, the last 10 years, there's been a real support for, um, to support your local farmer, to support uh, your local economy. And so when customers realize the importance of keeping local farming operations going, it supports jobs here. And so, you know, the jobs and the families that are that are able to be sustained and supported off of this right now is, is huge. And we're grateful, so grateful, um, for the, um, the support um, that the community gives for this. Uh, the little town we're in of Sayre, California, when we came to this town 13 years ago, there was 24% unemployment in this town. Oof. And we, uh, we had started the, the construction of the plant, and we were about to open the plant, and a couple months before we opened the plant, we said, hey, have these 20 guys working for us helping to, to remodel the plant and get it going. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, you know, we're going to start uh, running the plant in August. We need to get about 50 people to start on the line. Um, we had over 1,500 applications. Wow. Jobs. Yeah. 
And that just tells you how much the local economy needed uh, this support and how it was an answer of prayers for us to be there. So we've grown more since then. We've, we've really raised the pay that we fairly compensate our, our team members for, and we want to keep doing so. And so it's a, we're grateful for the support that people want to support the local farmers. Wonderful. Yes, uh, supporting small farms like yours it has so many implications on the local jobs, the quality of the environment, uh, the, the life that the animals live. It's just huge. So where can everyone go on the web and social media to learn more about Pittman Family Farms? We have a Facebook page. We also, uh, my brother actually built our website. My brother Ben did a great job at uh, maryschickens.com, marysturkeys.com, and marysducks.com. And there's, there's online videos there that will, that will show you, you know, show us, show you our farm, show you our processing plant, um, and give you a lot of attributes and things that we do different. Um, he's done a great job on that website of explaining to the customers what we do. Nice. Okay, so Mary's Chickens dot com, Mary's Turkeys dot com, Mary's Ducks dot com, and also the Facebook page. Yes, and if you're on any of those any of those websites, they link to each other, and you can go back and forth. Okay. All right. Okay. That's great. Well, thank you so much for providing all this information about your farm operations and the way you do things there in such a conscientious and sustainable manner and where we can also find your wonderful products. So thank you so much for your time today, David. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Hope you learned a lot. I know I did. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And our guest will be chef and author Alan Rodinger. And we're going to continue talking about food, one of my very favorite subjects. And in the meantime, you can follow up on our Genar Holistic Media page on Facebook, for many fun updates. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.